right. Well, this is the first edition of the Door of Hope Leadership Podcast. I am Cameron Hager, and I oversee the community groups for the church. I'm part of the pastoral or the community life team, um, oversee the prayer team. Uh, if you're listening to this, odds are you, you probably know me, and I'm here with someone else that you probably know, uh, Bree Henderson. Hi. Hey. How's it going? It's going well. Good. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, I figure since this is the first one, we should just mention what we're doing. Um, we're going to be producing a series of short podcasts. We aim to keep them right around 30 minutes, just discussing issues that are relevant to leading at Door of Hope. A lot of it's going to be useful and uh, in, in perhaps aimed at community group leaders specifically, but we hope that it, it's broader than that, that anyone kind of in any sort of ministry leadership role at our church would benefit from these conversations. Um, we don't presume to have everything figured out when we certainly don't presume that we're going to be able to cover everything we might want to in these, but we hope that we'll have just a, a good kind of initial push for you in terms of how to be thinking through these issues and where you can go to dig a little bit deeper. Um, and so before we jump into our first subject, which is going to be the issue of providing pastoral care, um, Bree, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself? What, for those of our listeners that might not know you, what do you yeah. do here at Door of Hope? Yeah. Um, well, my primary role is I'm part of the community life team as well. And I, um, oversee women's ministry and then kind of newer to my job description is my involvement in our Genesis process groups. So, which are our change groups, people who have, um, gone through some sort of addiction or coping mechanism that they're wanting help getting, getting over. And so we have groups for that. Awesome. Yeah. And one other big life thing going on is you're pregnant. I am pregnant. I'm, I guess, 35 weeks pregnant. So if I sound weeks. out of breath, <laughs> I'm not on a treadmill doing this podcast. I am in <laughs> fact sitting down, but it's real. That's awesome. Ah. <laughs> So exciting. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's jump right in. The, the, the subject of our conversation is providing pastoral care. Um, and you're a pastor at the church. I'm a pastor at the church. We have other pastors at the church, but I think before we, before we jump into what is pastoral care, what does it look like? I think it's, I think there's a bit of like cultural debris we have to clear away. Um, <laughs> In that, uh, so many times when people hear the word pastor or pastoral, they immediately think paid leader at the church, uh, typically right. like the the senior pastor, the lead pastor is often the case, or maybe the team of pastors that are on the church staff or whatever. Um, and I, I sometimes that that's a hindrance because we begin to think, well, the only people then that do this thing that we call pastoring are sort of the paid professionals. Um, but the Bible doesn't quite speak of it that way. Um, pastor translated really just, it's, it's really, uh, translated shepherd. It's, it's a, it's a metaphor to describe a particular kind of relationship that leaders have for the people under their care. We see it across the old and the new Testament kind of culminating in Jesus who refers to himself as the good shepherd. Um, we've got elders in the church that are commanded by Paul to shepherd their flock we see in Ephesians that list of spiritual gifts slash perhaps offices, these gifts that are so well executed that they turn into offices, and we see pastor listed there. 
Um, and what we're kind of left with is pastoring is a task, and it's a task that certain people are called to exercise and uh, certain people are uniquely gifted for. Um, so it's much broader than a paid man or woman at the church. Um, and as we as a kind of pastoral team were talking through, like, how do we really understand the task of pastoring? We kind of came up with this little um, kind of fourfold um, I don't know, way of thinking about it. We came up with the four words, uh, gather, guide, guard, and feed. These are four tasks that are, that obviously work within that metaphor of shepherding, but they kind of trace a trajectory for what, what someone does when they're exercising that gift of, of pastoring. So can you just talk to us a bit about how you conceive of those four things and what they, what they mean for you? Yeah. Um, I think that the, the most important thing about these four words is that they will encompass all sorts of different people and all types of leaders that are gifted and called to shepherd the church in, in different ways. And so each person may not be, um, you know, the primary teaching voice on a Sunday, but certainly they still have a role in what it looks like to either, either gather, guide, guard, and feed other believers. So gathering being just creating opportunities for people to come together as, as fellow believers and spend time fellowshipping, um, guiding being that teaching or instructing component where we're imparting some sort of equipping so that they are able to lead the, the flock in a, in a way that, um, they ought to go and guarding, um, has kind of a protective connotation. So making, sure that we're aware who is in our community um, and that we're able to help stand against any sort of protection that needs to happen, whether it's from false teaching or the waves of the culture that try and sneak in to the church. Um, And then feeding is one of the the more practical sides and or a lot of people who will probably find themselves listening to this podcast would find themselves in this type of role where it's just that everyday type of um, taking care of and like the sustenance giving to other believers. So whether it's in community group um, function in terms of like leaders or if you're a small group leader for the wake or a room leader, all of these, these different roles would be an aspect of feeding the people, giving them what they need daily for just survival. Yeah. Uh, that's really well said. And so, yeah, the picture is in church leadership, you have at the top of, well, of course, at the top, you have Jesus, the ultimate good shepherd, who's the head of head of the church. And then under Jesus's authority, you have the elders of a local church who have a the final responsibility for shepherding, for pastoring the people of their community. And then at Door of Hope, and not every church structures themselves this way, but at Door of Hope, we have then pastoral staff who mm-hmm. um, devote, are able to devote a bit more of their time and energy and schedule to the pastoral task under the leadership of the elders. And then we have this whole other host of volunteer leaders, uh, you who are listening, that are also involved in the pastoring, the shepherding, the guiding, gathering, guarding, feeding of our people. And so I think the first thing I would want people to hear listening to this is um, if you are kind of in one of those key ministry roles at our church, you um, are pastoring. You're pastoring. You might not have that yeah. title, um, 
but you are involved in this task of of helping our people be cared for and grow into likeness toward Christ. And in a pretty big capacity as well. I mean, I feel like we talk about this often on in our, you know, pastoral meetings that we have that there are a handful of us and many more people who attend Door of Hope than we're able to effectively guide, guard, feed in those in in the robust way that we think they ought to be led in. And so without these other roles, the other capacities, we would not be um, effectively leading our church. So it's not just kind of, you know, it's not, it's not a, a thing that we take lightly that there's a lot of people who are pastoring our church um, and in a really robust way that we wouldn't be able to do without, without them. So, yeah. Hey, thanks for that. Yeah. Thank you guys. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, that's a great point. If if the full pastoral task fell to the pastors and elders of a thousand-person church, give or take, uh, we there'd be no way to know and to care for the people of Door of Hope. So yeah. if you're listening and you're serving in one of these roles, thank you. Um, so that's that's a bit of discussion about what is a pastor. I, I, I think we do well now to move in a bit more specific and answer the question, what is pastoral care? Um, so pastoral ministry is wider than just pastoral care alone, but pastoral care makes up a huge part of it. Um, so what, what do you have a good working definition of pastoral care? How do you, what are we talking about when we mention that? I mean, I don't know that I've ever thought about it in terms of like a, a working definition, but how I conceptualize pastoral care is, is really in the context of, um, personal, oftentimes one-on-one interactions between, um, somebody in a, in a pastoring role and another person. And it's an attempt really to gather, guide, guard, feed, to fill one of those basic tenants, um, in that one-on-one type of atmosphere. It doesn't have to be one-on-one. I feel like typically though it, it tends to be or in smaller one-on-two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really with the intention of, um, there is some sort of issue, maybe it's a pressing issue even that, that comes up in the life of a, of somebody who's in a community group or, uh, the life of a junior high kiddo or something along those lines. And there's, there's need for some pastoral insight. And so either they reach out or the pastor reaches out to them to help guide them through whatever issue is present. Yeah. As, as I was thinking through it, I kind of identified, and if you're listening to this, you'll see there's a handout on the, on the page where you found this, um, it's a little PDF and you can find this information and a bit more and some more resources just to, just to plug that. But in that document, as I was thinking through that, I kind of wrote down three common pastoral care situations that seem to come up for me. I'm sure there's more. I know there's more, but these seem to be the, the most common three. One is spiritual direction. Like people come to you asking, so in this particular scenario or situation I find myself in, how can I honor Jesus? Um, or even more generally, how do I grow closer to God? So that's kind of spiritual direction. Second is theological questions. A lot of times people will initiate these, these meetings when they just, you know, they're reading through the Bible in a year and they come across something 
strange or challenging or even disturbing. Um, and they go, I need to make sense of this. I need to figure out how God is good in the midst of this or how this fits in with what I know about Jesus. Um, a third would be kind of the processing pain and suffering, um, kind of situations. Um, so people are asking for a, for a shoulder to cry on or a listening ear. Um, they're trying to figure out how they move forward and how they trust God and trust their community, um, and, and move forward amidst trauma, um, or, or, or some other stressor. So those are, and as a community group, just thinking in terms of community group, those, all three of those things are sure to come up over the course of a given year with someone, probably with everyone. If, if the, if, if that level of intimacy gets achieved, you'll, you'll probably hear all of these things from everyone in your group to some degree or another. So that raises the question, um, if, if leaders in our church, uh, and really most Christians are going to be in this pastoral care situation, trying to help shepherd someone through these moments, um, how do we prepare? How do we get ready for those moments? Um, and, uh, you know, you and I in, and kind of as well as in processing with some of the other people from the pastoral staff, we've kind of boiled down a list of really six principles that we, uh, of course, are not exhaustive. They're not the whole story, but there's right. six things that we have identified that are just good, helpful baseline ideas um, to sort of get ready to to engage people in these situations. So yeah. if it sounds good to you, I, I think we should just talk let's to them. Yep, let's go for it. All right. Well, the first one we identified is kind of personal. It's personal to the person giving care. It's, it's more focused on them. Uh, it's focused on the leader. And that is to know Jesus, the good shepherd, and to allow him to develop you. Yeah. Why is this important? Yeah, this is a, this is a great one. I love to start here and it is the, the absolute best and probably only place to start because this happens before we ever step foot in a room with another person who is seeking our counsel or support or pastoring. Um, and the reason that it needs to start here is because our, the way that we're able to, um, help people through this, the degree that we are going to be helpful to other people is the de- the degree to which we ourselves are abiding in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we are not actively growing in our relationship with Jesus and seeking him and his wisdom and, and, and don't know him or his word, then our ability to really help people who have come to us as spiritual, um, leaders and as pastors is going to be limited. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, I, I like the, the line on the, on the sheet that you guys have in front of you, the more we look like our good shepherd, the more effective we will be. Um, yeah. and the inverse is also true. The, the less we look like him, the less effective we are. So certainly before we step into a room, looking at our own de- devotional life and, just how actively we are growing with Jesus is a very important um, step. Yeah. We want to be able to say, like the Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Jesus. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's huge. So that's number one. Know the good shepherd, allow him to develop you. Number two is just prayer. Yeah. Simply put. 
yep. why is why is prayer important to the pastoral care task? This one kind of goes hand in hand with the first one. Um, ultimately, what we want to do is invite the Holy Spirit to be working through us. We want to be that conduit that is just in the room with a person physically, but that the words that are being said and you know the whether it's advice or encouragement or practical application type stuff, whatever is exiting our mouth, we want to be from the Holy Spirit. And that is not able to happen without the work of prayer. So just being in constant prayer for the people who are in our lives um, and who are coming to us in this capacity is going to allow the Holy Spirit to impart his wisdom in us to give us wisdom, the wisdom that they need to hear for that situation, to give us the encouragement that they need to hear, to point us in the direction. Um, it's, it's just super important and, and not just, you know, right before we have a meeting scheduled with somebody, um, but to be in prayer for them throughout the week, every time, you know, the Lord brings them to mind. I love that Paul in several of his letters says that, like, I, I pray for you as yeah. often as the Lord brings you to mind. And I've, I, you know, I've kind of adopted that same principle. It's impossible to, you know, quantify how much prayer a person needs, you know, like probably we all need much more prayer than, than we're getting, but it is, I think, a really important and an honor, like, I think it's an honor to, like, as people come to our mind, who knows why they came to our mind, mm. but spend time praying for them, and yeah. that is beneficial. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I you, you know, you added a point to this, too, that I think is valid, that I think you should talk about, about the importance of praying while, like, during our meetings with them. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind sharing about that. Sure. Y you know... As soon as you start meeting with people in these kinds of scenarios, as soon as that happens, you begin to be in over your head <laughs> and not, you don't yeah. know what to say. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to be sensitive, but truthful, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I do think it's a really valuable thing to end those moments, even in the confusion, even right after you've uttered something, said something to pray. Um, that's not to say you should be in your own head, like ignoring what the person <laughs> is saying to you, of course, yeah. but in a moment of confusion to pray, Lord, I have no idea what to say here. Guide me, give me the words. Um, or, you know, if you know, you've got to say something hard, pray for the courage in that mm. moment. If you know, whatever it is, just asking the Lord, believing that he's there with you in the moment that he can and will influence you and work with you in this moment to bring, to bring good to this person, um, is just really, it's really important. Yeah. 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 It's like continuing to keep in mind the fact that you are a conduit and you know it. Yeah. So at any point, just asking for his presence and wisdom yeah. to flow through you. That's good. Yeah. Um, so the third one, uh, third idea we came up with was just the importance of building relationship, love, and empathy mm -hmm. for and with the person. Why, why are those important? Yeah. So this becomes the kind of the foundation, you know, the, the first two, um, knowing the good shepherd and, and being, um, consistent in prayer. I think of like the, 
the things leading up to the actual meeting. Um, but this third one feels like the foundation on which everything else is built. The more, the, the more love and empathy, the better the relationship between two people, um, the more success we're going to be able to have in the direction that both people want to head in, which is, you know, essentially how can I, how can my life reflect Jesus and how can I grow in this area? Um, so before we're able to, well, I'll talk about it this way. We had a, one of our, our first executive pastor, Bob Maddox often talked about, um, uh, the relational bridge. So he would always say that between two people, there, there exists a bridge and the, the bigger that bridge, the sturdier that bridge is, the heavier the truck can drive across it, the more, the bigger, the load of truth can mm. go in that truck. So if you are investing in a person and they are asking for your counsel or your support in any way, um, then you want to make sure that your bridge between you and that person is able to support whatever it is that may need to be transported across it at any given time. Um, in fact, I was thinking about this after the, um, or during the, the, the leader training in September and we did a breakout on pastoral care and I had a woman ask a very, a very good question. She asked, I, I have a relationship with this person in my community group and I know there's something really big and heavy going on in her life, but she hasn't let me in on that yet. And I don't know, mm. I don't know how to like get her to trust me or to confide in me. Mm. And my response was build the bridge, um, keep so building that bridge until whatever, whatever, um, cause it, that bridge goes both ways. You know, they have really heavy stuff that they are going to be delivering to us. And that takes trust and, um, love and empathy and the, all those same things. It takes relationship. And so this seems like just really, really critical for us as, as leaders of our church that we can't rush these things. We can't force people to, um, yeah, we can't force them to just trust us with the things that they've been carrying around for, we don't know how long, years, maybe decades, maybe. And so anytime they are wanting to share some of that, it's a huge honor. And what we owe them really is, um, just the dignity of knowing that it's a safe, a safe place to deposit that information and to trust that we are going to be faithful with it. And so I just can't say enough about the importance of building a really strong relationship that's centered around love and empathy. I think it's so important. And one other thing I would say is, um, something my wife shared with me, uh, that she'd kind of learned is just this idea that most behavior and emotion makes sense in its context. Mm. Um, we don't, we don't validate everything everybody does, of course, but most, most emotional reactions to things can be validated. And there's a reason people feel the way that they do. Uh, now what they do with those emotions may or may not be <laughs> mature or correct or whatever. Um, but if we can, if we can allow ourselves to try to understand why is this person feeling this way and to try to feel that with them and they see that we're doing that with mm -hmm. 
um, they are far more likely to, to listen and to share more vulnerably. Absolutely. It's really important. Yeah. Um, number four, meet the felt need. What does that mean? Meeting the felt need is, I think like the, one of the more practical things that a person may be looking for when they meet with somebody. So oftentimes in a church context, it can be easier to say, man, that's really hard. I hear what you're saying. I'll sure be praying for you and leave it at that. Mm. And not to at all downplay the importance of prayer. We just spent some, some time talking about it. Obviously we think it's very important, but when a person is sitting in front of us and they have a tangible need that is impacting their lives in, a, in such a way that it has led them to reaching out for support of some way, we, we would do right by these people to help them to see if there's some way that we can help them meet mm. that, that need that they have. So whether it's like, man, I, I'm really stressed out this month. I got laid off. I've, my rent is due in a couple of weeks and I just don't know how I'm going to pay it. And I haven't been able to find a new job yet for us to turn around and say, I hear that that's really stressful and I'll be, I'll be praying for you and not think about the ways that we as a community can come around them and actually help them. Like they, they said very specifically, they don't know how they're going to come out, come up with rent. So do we have a responsibility as a community to pay for that person's rent? I I don't know. You know, there's a question there, but at very least, like that is a question that should be asked. Like what, as what can yeah. we as a community do um, to help that person? Um, so I think that that is part of this role of, of, of course, like prayer, encouragement, all of that should be part of these, these meetings, but to also say, how can I practically right now be the hands and feet mm. of Jesus to this person and either individually or in the, the larger community help support this person is, I, th- I think, a blessing. I think it blesses yeah. both sides of the equation. Um, and and I think it's something that we we ought to be doing more of in our community. Yeah, we, we can over-spiritualize these these meetings sometimes which really means we're under spiritualizing them <laughs> because right, right. because yeah. uh the truly spiritual is to actually sacrifice on behalf of the other and actually yeah. care enough to try to help them meet those needs um yeah. rather than just uh, tell them to memorize a bible verse and <laughs> or something <laughs> which hey bible memory is good <laughs> Um, this maybe be a good time to at least acknowledge that, um, we at door of hope have a benevolence fund for things such Mm. as this. Um, so whether it's a person who needs, um, you know, financial help for rent or the, the gas bill or whatever, um, or if they can't pay for a doctor's bill, but they need to go to the doctor or they would benefit from counseling and they can't afford counseling. These are all really excellent, um, things that we at door of hope can, can help, um, them fund. So let's throw that in there. Um, well, there's two more and I, I, I say we tackle them together. Um, Number five is that 
Remember that you need to be a conduit for the grace of God. And number six is that you need to be a conduit for the call of God or the challenge of God. Um, what are those and why, why do those need to be held together? And are they, are they contradictory? No, they're certainly not contradictory. Um, I think often in scripture, we hear talk about grace and truth and oftentimes they are paired like that together. Um, so for the first one, there will be people who come to us and all they needed to be reminded of in that moment, especially maybe initially is that, that forgiveness from Jesus is theirs, that they are loved, that there is grace and mercy, um, for them that covers um, every sin. Um, so, you know, we, I think shame has become kind of this like hot topic word in our culture these days, but it's for good reason. I think a lot of people are just drowning in the shame that they Mm. feel about decisions they've made or the person they've become. And, um, once you get a sense that somebody is really drowning in that shame, what they really need is to know just the grace of God that exists for them and that uh, like just how loved they are. Um, and then on the flip side of that, um, there are people who need to know that God loves them and meets them in their sin, but that he isn't content to leave them there and that there is a call for repentance and for us to not just, continue on in our sin because grace exists, but that we, we are, we are called to a a higher, um, we're called to a better response than to just be content to stay in our sin. Um, so it feels like those two work really good hand in hand. Mm. Um, and you know, this is another one where it's the importance of prayer comes in really hugely here, because I think that a lot of times the, the wisdom to distinguish what a person needs whether it's the grace conversation or the, the truth conversation is just, that's, that's something that's given to us from the Holy spirit that we should be asking, what do they need to hear from us right now? Um, and, and to be looking for the opportunity to, um, yeah, speak, speak grace if it's warranted or to speak truth if it's needed. Yeah. It's just, yeah. The, the relationship between the grace of God and practical obedience to God is something that's so easily confused in Christian theology. Um, and it's confused when we're trying to do pastoral care as well. Um, and getting, getting the order, right, getting them in proportion to one another, but not discounting either is a tricky balance. Um, Mm. but one that we have to figure out because the very meaning of the cross (laughs) is kind of tied up in it, you know? Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, that's all really well said. Okay, those are our six six principles. Know the good shepherd, pray, build a relationship, love and empathy, meet the felt need, be a conduit for the grace of God, and be a conduit for the call of God. Uh, as we said, this is the, the smallest of jumping off points, and uh, we encourage you. Uh, we've got some additional resources, a few articles, a few books that have been really good um, that you can check out. Uh, on the PDF that should be nearby um, for further further study to push you a little further down the road to help you feel a bit more equipped. Um, but one last thing before we end, uh, 
we should talk a bit about our referral process. Um, you know, at Door of Hope, we, re- we are serious about the fact that our volunteer leaders should feel equipped and empowered to really do the work of shepherding our people. We're not kidding when we talk about that. We think it's real pastoral work. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, we don't want our volunteers to feel like they are just kind of lone rangering it out there, Rambo style. <laughs> um, well, those are two references. <laughs> have nothing to do with one another. It works though. I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> Lone rangering slash Ramboing, um, without support from the church. And we recognize that there are situations where, uh, you know, uh, say a room leader, a community group leader feels overwhelmed. They feel like they don't know what to do. Um, and they need to refer, uh, beyond themselves to someone else. Um, there are also situations where regardless of how they feel, they need to refer. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you talk a bit about some of those situations? Yeah, there are a handful of situations where we we do ask that you bring in pastoral staff to help navigate with you and this other person through some of these these issues. Um, these These can include things such as chronic or destructive habits like addictions. If somebody's struggling with a drug and alcohol addiction or a sex addiction, um, we we really value people being free from these things. And there are trained professionals who have all of the tools and resources necessary to help somebody be free from a destructive habit. And so we want to, we have a a list of, of vetted and trusted counselors that we refer to that we can get into the right hands. So that they don't have to continue in the bondage of that. Um, if there's ever any safety or abuse concerns, um, I would also include um, suicidal ideation. If somebody has um, clearly stated that they are in danger of hurting themselves or somebody else, um, that is something that we would want to know about. And again, so that we can get them to see the professionals that they need. Um, a note on suicide. If somebody has mentioned suicide, there's a couple of questions that you can ask to be just really certain that their safety is, um, protected. So ask them if they have a plan of how they would commit suicide and ask them if they have the means to follow through with that plan. Mm. I know this seems like kind of a heavy conversation. Um, and hopefully the vast majority of us will not have to face this type of conversation. Um, but it's important to be just empowered that you can help potentially, you know, save somebody's life in this situation. So if they have a plan and a means and a means of how they would want to take their own lives, that's an automatic nine one one call and they're not to be left alone. So if you're on the phone with them, stay on the phone with them, get in your car, drive to where they are until somebody else meets them there, whether it's you know, you taking them into the hospital or 911 yeah. shows up, but, um, we take that really seriously. And then the other issue that we would want you to reach out to pastoral staff is if there's any significant mental health issues. Um, some of those issues are very complicated and very nuanced and, um, yeah. So reaching out for help in any of those areas is very appropriate. Yeah. And it's good to, for you to know as well that, you know, we're constantly building and Bree, you and Tom are to the two kind of spearheading this, but 
kind of trying to constantly add and revamp our uh, counselor referral list. Yeah. And so, um, so we have a good, we have good people and a good process. So when these issues come up, refer to a pastor and then we can get people connected with, um, you know, a, a counselor, a mental health professional, that's going to be a good fit. Um, and, can work out things around payment and all that. We're just, there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of options. Um, but certainly the first step is, uh, is letting us know and letting us connect. And none of this referral stuff is ever to let any of us off the hook mm. or to, to take you out of the, out of the fold. So we had envisioned this being a process where of course you refer to someone else, but you are, continuing to maintain those relationships and to be there for that person. The worst thing we could do is to start carting people off to counselors where our community group leaders and pastors are never checking in or aren't involved in the, in this healing process at all. Um, so that's certainly not what we want to see. Mm-hmm. And with that, I think we're out of time. All right. Bree, <laughs> you're wise. Thank you. Thanks. Likewise. <laughs> Thanks. I wasn't fishing for that, but I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we hope this has been helpful. Um, I don't know exactly what the schedule is going to be for getting out more of these. Uh, I would imagine at least once a month moving forward, um, we'll be hopefully talking about things that are helpful. So thanks for listening. Feel free to email either of us if you have any questions or want to follow up. Be sure to check out the handout with additional resources. And thank you for leading. Thank you for serving our church. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Take care.